1 Timothy 1, verse 12 through verse 17. 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 17. These are the words of God. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Paul has just told Timothy, or reminded Timothy probably, in verses 8 through 10, that God's law exposes us as sinners. Therefore, uh, that goodness which we want to see come out of us cannot come from us. And it can, however, come from God. God himself is the one who can be our goodness. Uh, he says, Christ Jesus, our Lord, has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. Uh, that is, that the Lord Jesus enables him in his ministry, and he accounts him faithful, not because there's there's some raw material in Paul that God can use, uh, but because God is the one who not only counted him faithful, but enabled him. God is the one who put him into the ministry. Now, when he talks to Timothy about the gift that is in Timothy by the laying on of hands, he reminds Timothy that God is the one who has put Timothy into the ministry too. It is God who worked in Timothy by grace, who had worked in Paul by grace. So what did Paul's raw material look like? He says, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. God didn't look at someone who was a blasphemer, direct offense against God, a persecutor, offense against God by way of his people, and a violently arrogant man, offense against God by the view that he had of himself. So Paul got everyone wrong and everything wrong. And he responded wrongly to all of it. So when he says, God counted me faithful, he's not saying God looked at that and he thought, oh, well, that guy's faithful. He means God decided to make me faithful. God decided to count me as faithful. And God is the one who enables him. And for someone like Timothy, who perhaps, uh, as we... Uh, see in the passage is a little timid. It is important to him to know that God is the one from whom the faithfulness comes. So what did the apostle find? Uh, was it an opportunity to turn over a new leaf or to make what he had done up to God? No. He found an opportunity to receive mercy to be delivered from ignorance and unbelief. Uh, it would be uh, quite wrong to read verse 13 in a way that says, well, 
If he didn't have a chance to, to know better, it was okay with God. No. God mercifully saved him out of ignorance and unbelief. So when he says, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in, in unbelief, he's saying, God was merciful to me and gave me knowledge of himself instead of my ignorance. God was merciful to me and gave me faith instead of my unbelief. If you're ignorant, what you need is mercy. If you're unbelieving, what you need is mercy. Not to say it was okay for you to be ignorant or unbelieving, but to take away your ignorance and unbelief, to deliver you from it. For ignorance and unbelief are wicked. The apostle found exceedingly abundant grace in the Lord. Uh, he says in verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. That's the exact opposite of what he had in himself. He didn't have those. In, he had ignorance in himself, and he got faith as a gift from Christ Jesus. So he had unbelief in himself, and he received faith as a gift from Christ Jesus. He had ignorance, not knowing God in himself, but he received the knowledge of God and the love of God from Christ Jesus. So it's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what the apostle lacked in himself, Jesus had in himself. And he received from Christ what he needed to have him in himself. This is a great comfort to you, and I hope you get in the habit of whenever you are thinking about what you need before God, what you lack before God, remembering that whatever it is you need is in Christ Jesus. Whatever it is you lack is in Christ Jesus. If your faith is small, if your knowledge of God is small, if your love for God is small, if your love for others is small, if your patience is small, if your comfort and consolation and joy and gratitude and contentment are small, Christ Jesus has all of these things in abundance. But he doesn't just have them in abundance for himself. He has them in abundance in his grace, which means he gives you from what he is and what he is like, precisely because you are not like that and you are not that. And so the grace of our Lord is exceedingly abundant. There is greatly more than enough in Jesus to make up whatever we lack. You will never exhaust the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, there is a sense in which the apostle is saying here in verse 15 that he is a chief of sinners. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And many people will say, oh, we need to know ourselves as the chief of sinners. Well, that's true. And the apostle says that about himself. But that's not the first thing he was, that's not the only thing that he was in first place in, in this passage. However, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering. So he's not saying I'm the chief of sinners to set an example for us of, uh, of going around like reformed Eeyores and I'm the chief of sinners. I'll never be able to enjoy God. Always enjoying just my flesh. There are a lot of Reformed... Well, we're going to have to put that in fear quotes. There are a lot of people who call themselves Reformed that I've heard uh, who uh, tend to speak in such a way, and I'm exaggerating a little bit. But look at what he says he was first in. He was first in Jesus Christ showing him long-suffering. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering. 
Well, in which way is he first? He's not first chronologically. He was the last converted of the apostles, and fairly late is first because being the chief of sinners made him the most marvelous example of the patience and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the one who thought that he was righteous in himself and hated the name of Jesus and hated anybody for trusting in Jesus and thought he was good enough without Jesus, which is almost literally the sin of the devil, that this one, this one became the apostle to the Gentiles. Not just got converted, but we gave the apostle to the Gentiles. And so this is what he was chief in. Yes, chief of sinners, but chief in being shown long-suffering by Jesus as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. So which one of the two things is a pattern? Pseudo-reformed Eeyore or knowing the greatness of the patience of the Lord Jesus and the greatness of the grace of Christ, not only to put away our sin, but to count us faithful and to put us into service for Christ and enable us for serving him. That's what he's a pattern for. And if we're going to follow the pattern that he talks about uh, in these verses, then we should follow the pattern of rejoicing over Jesus Christ as the blessed God. And that is exactly what verse 17 is saying. He says, now to the king. And there's no question who the king is. The king is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed the king is the Christ, and he has been, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, verse 12, with the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, verse 14. This is a faithful saying that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, verse 15. This reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering, verse 16. There's no question who he's talking about when he says the king. He says he's referring to Jesus. Now to the king, but this escalates quickly, eternal, immortal, invisible, that he is God from all eternity, the invisible God before he ever became added to himself a visible humanity. To God who alone is wise, that is that Jesus is the blessed God from verse 11, whose gospel he is preaching. He is the king from everlasting to everlasting, from out of time, from outside of time. He is eternal. He is the king who has life in himself and from whom all other genuine life is derived. He is the king invisible because he is God alone wise. This is why there is an exceeding abundance in Jesus that can never be exhausted because he is the living God and to him be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And so the uh, apostle is setting before Timothy good hope for his ministry, but also a good goal for his ministry. Not that the kind of sinner Timothy got saved from being would be shown forth, but the kind of Savior Jesus is to all sinners would be shown forth and that he would be glorified as God who saved us. Lord, we thank you for bearing with us in our weakness even at this time of day. But we pray, Lord, that you would help us by your Spirit, that you would write on our hearts the marvelous truth that we have gotten to hear uh, 
told from your word just now, and that you would make us love for our lives to be also according to the pattern of showing the kind of Savior that Jesus is, that he would be known as God who had saved sinners, and God whose grace is exceedingly abundant for all that we need in order to serve him well, because he has accounted us faithful. He is the one who's put us into service. And so we pray, Lord, that you would that you would uh, keep sanctifying us, keep cleansing us, keep making us grow in grace and holiness so that we will be those who both rejoice over Christ, adoring him as the eternal, immortal, and invisible God, and uh, who love to serve him in such a way that others will see his glory too. So grant this to us, we ask in his name. Amen.